0: Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of shiurim and daf Yomim. My name is Yitzchak shalom We're now in Masachat Shabbat, Kuf Chaf, Vav, Amud Bet. About to begin the relatively short 18th parak, Mefanin Afilo Arba Chamesh uh, Kupot and Nei This parak, as I noted in the introduction, is made up of three seemingly disparate topics. And the first one, which we'll deal with in this shiur and in the next one, is uh, a continuation of the Laws of muktzah, and uh, this particular Mishnah is dealing with food that may be moved in order to make room for different things, and here we see it. You can move four or five baskets of grain, of uh, straw or of grain, uh, to make room for guests, or to make sure people can study if they need the space to sit. You can't move the storehouse. We'll see what that means. Now, And the rest of this Mishnah, which we're going to deal with in the next podcast, lists the type of foods that may be moved, and then in the second half, the type of foods that may not be moved. And then the first half of the next Mishnah, which is presented here also, um, talks about particular uh, bundles of things that may or may not be moved. So we're going to leave that for the next podcast. We'll come back and read the Mishnah. For right now, we're just dealing with the four or five baskets that may be moved for guests or because of Bitul Betamidrash, but not the otsar. Now, the Gemara, the first question is a numbers question. If you can move five, why mention that you can move four? So So everybody understands that it means sometimes four and sometimes five. Ravchista says it means four out of five, which means you're not allowed to move everything, but if there are five baskets, you can move four of them. Uh, or there's another version, meaning if there's only five, you can move four, but if there's a lot, you can move up to five, if five is the max that you can move. We don't want you doing too much work on Shabbat. Then how do we understand the line at the end of our phrase, meaning you can't go first into the storehouse to move things. You have to go in first that you wanted food. And once you went in there that you to, to get food... Then you could already move it. Umani Rabbi So this follows Rabbi Yehuda the and therefore he says anything that's in the storehouse is muktzah, and according to Rabbi Yehuda, that's that law applies. But once you go in there for permissible use, which is to get some food for eating, then you could move, but we limit you to five at the most. Shmuel Amar Shmuel interprets it differently. Arba vechamesh, four and five, meaning kadamri and like people say four or five, just a colloquial term. It means, actually, you could move a lot. Four or five or a lot. Then how do we understand more that you should not clear out the entire storehouse. Why? Because maybe when you clear it out, you're going to see that the floor is uneven, and you're going to start evening up the floor, and that's a told of Choresh. But you could certainly go in first to move things, even if though you haven't gone in to get food. In that case, Umani, who is it authored by? Rabbi Shimon, Because Rabbi Shimon does not accept the principle of Muqtas, as we've seen many times. Let's see a bright. You're not allowed to first go into the otsar in order to move things, but you could make a path in order to get in and out. How do you make a path? You're not allowed to go in start to start. What it means is, when you walk in, you can make a path with your feet by pushing things out of the way. Let's say you have a pile of grain. If you started moving in Erev Shabbat or getting it for food, then you can use it for food on Shabbat. But if you didn't start accessing it before Shabbat, then I saw this on Shabbat. And that's, of course, very surprising to hear Rabbi Shimon say that. And Rabbi Acha Matir, okay, we don't know Rabbi Acha's position, but Rabbi Shimon's position is well known. So, klape Laya, things are upside down. So, the correct version is that Rabbi Acha is the one who prohibits. Rabbi Shimon says, no, you can because Rabbi Shimon does not accept muktze. How big is this pile? Letech. Letech is 15 siya. So he asked him, He quoted the same thing. When we talk about four or five baskets, does that mean that you can only carry four or five baskets? And if you were to disperse them into smaller ones, that would not be acceptable. We're trying to keep you from making too many trips on Shabbat. Or perhaps it's better to have lighter loads and it's okay to distribute them into smaller baskets and take 10 or 15 trips. Let's see. We have one version that says you can move four or five kupot of uh, flasks of wine and oil. Another version says 10 or 15. So, my love, isn't there The first version says, take fewer trips. That's what we want you to do on Shabbat. And therefore, you can only move four or five. And the other one holds, no, you could put them into smaller baskets and make a lot of trips, and the better it's better to have a lighter load. Lo, Everybody agrees that taking uh, fewer trips is better. Who says four, 10 and 15 in the second bright, uh is referring to baskets? It's talking about flasks. The first Brita is talking about a case where the flasks are so big that each one uh, takes up a full basket. When we talk about 10, we're talking about baskets uh, that can carry two. And when I said three, that's talking, at 15, we're talking about a case of very small flasks that can go three in a basket, like the little flasks in the town of Harpanya. Okay, so everybody agrees that fewer trips is better. So the question was then asked, So the question was then asked, is 4 or 5 a maximum number, even if you have a lot of guests, or is it just an average based on a few guests, but if you have more guests, you could do more? If you think it's based on the guests, you could do more. Can one person clear out all of them? Do we tell each person to clear out for his own space so that in the sum total, nobody ever does more than the work of moving one space? So even if you have a lot, 100 people each move for one space. Toshma Chia. We have a report from Rabbi Chia. One time, Rabbi came to a place and he found a place that was too tight for the students. So he went out to the field. He found a field that was filled with piles of wheat. It's a little misleading, but Ymer here means he cleared out the Omarim, kind of like is to uproot. So he moved all of the Omarim. Right? Rabbi so first of all, the first thing you see is it's way more than four or five. Rabbi Yosef from our Rabbi he had a different version of the story. It wasn't Rabbi, it was Rabbi Chia, his student, who went to a place, same thing. the Kula. Same story, just with Rabbi Chia instead. So Shema Minakola Fiyarachin. What you see from here is that you could do a lot more than four or five. But you could still ask, does it mean one person clears it all out? Or maybe each person does his own space. So toshma The answer is that it says in the story that Rebbe, or Rebbe Chia, cleared it out himself. So you see one person does it. What, well, do you think Rebbe did it himself? Rebbe uh, the head of the Sanhedrin. What it means is Rebbe stood there and said, clear it out. But clearly, each person clears out his own space. Okay, from here to the end of this podcast, we have some very famous agadot relating to hospitality, which will dovetail into another topic. So, welcoming guests into the house is as great as going to the Beit Midrash early in the morning, spending the whole day there. It's quite a statement. Dictani, how do we see that? Because in our Mishnah, Nei Ha Orchim may be Midrash. Which two things are equated? Making room for guests or making room for the people to study. Rav Dimi in our so he said, Yo Temi Ashkwan Beit Midrash. He said it's even greater than the Beit Midrash. Nei Orchim Adam Nei Beit built by the Midrash because Orchim was listed first. So Rav here makes an observation about the famous Achazat Orchim story in Bereshit. And says, "You see that welcoming guests is greater than greeting God." And the way that this is understood is that Abraham turns to God and says, "Please wait here while I go greet the guests." So he left greeting God in order to greet guests. This is when three uh, angels came to him. Now we have a, an agadic observation about that passage. People, man, God is not like people. In human terms, a younger, a junior cannot say to his superior, wait and I'll come to you. But here Avram says, wait for me and let me take care of them first. I read about Sheila Amar Biasi Amar Biyochanan. She said to him, Adam, he ate a lot of people in this world and I have to explain what this phrase is, even though it's uh, well known as a phrase. A person does a mitzvah, he gains a certain investment in olam haba. That's called keren. Keren is the base capital. Perot, as we know through Baba Batra and many other places, means the uh, income that comes from the capital. Well, like rental income, etc. Perot, literally the fruit of the uh, of the field. So this is these are six things that a person gets to eat the fruit, but the capital is untouched and is preserved for a And he eats the fruit; he benefits from this mitzvah in this world. What are they? Hachlasat Orchem, Bikur Cholim, visiting the sick. yunt Filah, praying with uh, intent. Hashkamat Beit coming early to study. Hamagadel Banav the Talmud Torah, raising your children to study. Vadam and giving the, another person the benefit of the doubt. These are. All things that, as we can well understand, enrich your life in this world, and the promise of this prata is that that benefit that you get in this world does not touch or diminish the mitzvah reward in the world to come. Any, is that true? We have a mishnah in Pei Ayel. Honoring your parents, for the Torah says you have a long life. Doing acts of kindness with people. Bringing peace between two people who are not getting along. And the study of Torah. The implication is, only these things and not other things. And you listed, uh, and bikur right? So the answer is nami that uh, these things are the same, meaning these things are all subsets of uh, of gemilut uh, chasadim. Okay, If you give somebody else the benefit of the doubt, dani you no know, then you get judged by God and given the benefit of the doubt. It was a guy who came from the, Galil, the upper Galil and he uh, came to the south and worked for a fellow for three years Erev Yom of so it was just before his three years were up Erev Yom Kippur, he said please pay me, tein li I have to go feed my wife and kids and take care of them, uh, we have no money Amarlo mo he said I don't have any money Amarlo li so he said give me some fruit, Marlo Ainli, I have no fruit Tainli li so give me some land said Tainli give me animals. Ainli. karim satot, give me some house furnishings. Ainli, I have nothing. He took his stuff with him. As he went home very, very sad. After Sukkot, was a couple of weeks later, the Balabai took the payment that he had, and he filled up three donkeys, one filled with food, one with drink, one with lots of sweets, besides the salary. He went to this poor guy's house in the north. They ate and they drank from this, balabait's food, and drink, and then he paid him. When you asked me for your money, and I told you I have no money, what did you suspect me of? So Marty and the, the worker said, I thought, Maybe you had a chance to buy some uh, product very cheap. Well, And you took your money and you invested it. And so you asked me all those things and then you asked me whether I had an animal to give you. And you said, I have no animals. What did you think? Maybe you'd have rented your animals out to other people. When you asked for land, and I said, I have no land, what did you suspect me of? Maybe it's been share cropped out. And when I told you, I don't even have perot, which looks very suspicious, because this fellow's been working him for three years. I said, maybe you haven't taken ma'asrot yet. Shashavardalach, ainly karim, when I told you I have no pillows or house furnishings, what did you suspect me of? Maybe you were maktish everything you had and had not yet redeemed it. Amarlosa, the Bolivite said to him, "Ha avodah, that's an oath, kachaya, that's exactly what happens. I made all of my possessions hektesh, because I didn't want Horkunus, my son, who refused to study Torah. I didn't want him together. get Shabati I came to the south, he tearily called they were matar all my darim, and then I had the stuff and I could pay you. and then he says to the worker, just as you judged me favourably and gave me the benefit of the doubt, way overboard. Dinot God should judge you favorably also. Bat Israel. It was a pious man who redeemed a girl who was taken captive. He took her to a hotel and he had her lie at his feet. He came out and went to the mikvah, and then he taught his students Torah. And he said to them, When I had her sleep at my feet, what did you suspect me of? I mean, He assumed that they suspected him of inappropriate behavior. He said, perhaps there is a student among us, or none of the students are are people that uh, are one of the students that you can't trust, and therefore you can't leave her with all of us, and therefore you watched her. And when I went to the mikvah, what did you suspect? Because the obvious suspicion would be that he had had relations with her. Because you we were traveling, perhaps you had a carry. And he said, that's exactly what happened. You judge me favorably. God should judge you favorably. The final one. There was some Roman woman, matron, but uh, she's clearly not matronly, uh, that the students needed. She was somebody who all of the great men of Rome would uh, regularly visit. Who will go? I said, i said, I'll go. Kevan shigia v'tamidav. His students went with him. Kevan shigel a He got to her house, and we would expect him to walk in with his students and request what he requested. Instead, chalatz tefila brachok He took his tefillin off. Four amot He went in and he locked the door. Chashe etzayir ad mitavali. came out and he went to the mikvah v'shanalot tamidav. And then he taught his students. and he said, When I took my tefillin off, what did you suspect me of? It must be that you don't want words of kedusha to come into a place of tuma where she is uh, promiscuous When I locked the door, what did you suspect me of? Maybe you have to talk to her about private political matters and it needs to be private When I came out and went to the mikveh what did you suspect me of? Maybe she spit. Some of her spittle came on you, and she has a din of a zava. Uh, take a look at the fourth parak of Nida, and therefore you were tamei. he said, ha avoda He took an oath and said, that's exactly what happened. Again, just as you judge me favorably, God should judge you favorably. Okay, we'll pick up now, uh, in the next podcast, we'll go back to the Mishnah and go through the list of permissible and forbidden foods and then see the the analysis of the Gemara. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.